And as always, this lesson will be on uh, SoundCloud. And so you can, uh, when you get the email, click on the link. And uh, you're welcome to go there and, and listen to it. Judges chapter 3 is again where we're going to look today. And uh, we're going to look at the first of these judges. But let me just uh, give you a little history, okay? You might remember from your Old Testament history that, uh, of course, the people of God were over there in the land of Egypt. I know that because I saw the movie Ten Commandments, alright? <laughs> Charlton Heston had to lead them out. But anyway, they uh, were delivered by the mighty hand of God. And you remember what God did for the people of God as they left Egypt land. Uh, God parted the Red Sea. God destroyed the army of Pharaoh. God fed them with quail and manna in the wilderness. I always get tickled, you know. They griped about the manna, so they got quail. And then they griped about that. Uh, they just complained all the time. Uh, sort of like you and I. But God did all these wonderful miracles. God gave them great leadership in Moses. And so they get right to the brink of the promised land. And they get right there. Man, they are ready to march in. They are ready to go in and possess Canaan. And Moses said, let's form a committee. And so they get a 12-member committee. You know the old Scripture, for God so loved the world that He didn't send a committee. Amen? <laughs> they sent a committee. So they go and they spy out this promised land. And they come back and they have a business meeting. Good old Baptist business meeting. And so they have the report from the committee. And the committee says... We are like grasshoppers. And they're like giants. And we can't go over there and possess the land. That is a 10-member majority report. The minority report from two members, Joshua and Caleb. They said, yeah, but we got a God who is a giant killer. And let's cross over. Well, the people accepted the majority report they went back into the wilderness and they spent 40 years back in there. That generation died. And so they get back to the promised land one more time. They get right there. And in Joshua, the book of Joshua, we find that they crossed over and they went into the promised land. Now, the book of Judges is the story after the death of of Joshua. If Joshua is the story after the death of Moses, Judges is the story after the death of Joshua. And so they go back into the promised land, they cross over, and there are all of these enemies, all these Canaanite tribes that they have to defeat. And so God raised up Judges God raised up warriors that would lead them into battle and defeat the enemies over in Canaan. The first of the judges 
is the guy we're going to look at today. His name is Oatmeal. Oatmeal. Now, Oatmeal, I just call him Oatmeal, okay? You can call him Oatmeal. But Oatmeal is the first of the judges. Who's the last judge? Samuel. Yeah, Samuel would be the last judge. He's the guy that anoints two kings, right? Yeah, Saul and David. So anyway, during this time period though, the book of Judges, it was a time of lawlessness, a time of rebellion, and a time of moral failure. They had all kinds of issues going on in the book of Judges. There was an immorality in the land. There was a, a debauchery because the people in Canaan worshipped a multitude of gods. Not only that, they also even had human sacrifice. In Judges chapter 17, verse 6, and in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, it is a commentary on their day. Judges 17, verse 6, and chapter 21, verse 25 is the same verse that's repeated. And here's what it says. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And you might say, well now, Brother Richard, we're not that bad. Oh, yes we are. <laughs> Yes, we are. That describes our day and time. Do we have human sacrifices today? We certainly do. It's called human trafficking. We do. Are we in a spot where everyone does what is right in their own eyes? Well, you ask someone what truth is, and you'll get all kinds of different answers. But I want to tell you, unless someone knows... Unless someone knows the person of Jesus Christ, they don't really know what truth is. And when we find Him, we find the One who is the way and the truth and the life. Now, I want to read just Judges 3, verse 7 and verse number 9. Look in chapter 3, verse 7. The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served the Baals and the Asherah. Now, there in verse number 7, it says they forgot God. How in the world could they do that? They forgot the one who parted the Red Sea. They forgot the one who gave them that quail and manna in the wilderness. They forgot the one that parted the Jordan River when they, get a, when they went, a, went across. They forgot all about the God who had been their Savior. Now, also it says in verse number 7 that they served the gods in Canaan, the Baals and the Asherah. Now I want you to look down at verse number 9. Verse 9, When the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them. O Neil, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. 
He is Caleb's younger brother. And the Bible says there that God raised him up. I think that means that God's hand of authority was on him and God hand-picked Othniel and called him to be a judge. Alright. Take your Bible. Hold that spot right there. But I want you to flip over to the book of Deuteronomy. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Just turn left from Judges, alright? Chapter 7 verses 1 through 6 is God's command for the people of God to go into Canaan, conquer the land, and possess the land. Alright, so look here at chapter 7. And look at verse number 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it, and clears away many nations uh, before you, the Hittites and the Gergashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Mosquitoites. No, that was not in there, alright? <laughs> Seven nations greater and stronger than you. So, God said, I'm going to clear out all these enemies, alright? But you are going to possess the land. Now that's, that's the point there in verse number 1. God said, go in and possess the land. Let me just meddle with you, alright? Listen to me. There are many, many believers. You've got salvation. I mean, you're saved, you made that profession of faith, but you're not possessing the things of the Christian life. You've lost the joy, you don't have the peace, you don't have that fruit of the Spirit. God wants you not only to have salvation, He wants you to possess the things of a child of God. Alright, now look at verse number 2. Deuteronomy 7, 2. And when the Lord your God delivers them from before you, and you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, and show no favor to them. In verse number 2, God commanded, completely destroy the nations of Canaan. Why is that? It's because if you just left one nation, they would contaminate you and they would defile your faith. Let me meddle with you again. Many people of God, there's just one thing in their life. They'll leave from the old life and it'll come back to haunt you every time. You and I are to completely destroy the old man. What did Paul say in Galatians 2.20? He said, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So completely destroy all the nations. Look at verse number 3. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. There in verse number 3, God said, don't intermarry with the people of Canaan. 
You might say, well, that's silly. Well, not really, because when they would intermarry, that wife would bring all those gods that she had with her. I remember in high school, my, my youth minister would always teach, and when he preached, he would preach, don't practice missionary dating. You know what missionary dating is? It's when you see someone that's really good looking, and you say, Lord, I know she's lost, but can I date her? God says no, and you say, well now, Lord, I can win her to Jesus. Man, listen, that's the last thing on your mind when you're on a date, alright? Missionary dating, it's just wrong. I agree with W.A. Criswell. If you want to find you a wife, and I'll speak to the men here, alright? If you want to find you a wife, you pick one out of a Baptist choir. That's where you get one, okay? Alright. Now look at verse number 5, alright? Deuteronomy 7, verse 5. It says, But thus you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and hew down their asherim and burn their graven images with fire. There in verse 5 it says, I want you to destroy every single trace of their foreign religions. Wipe them out. Every single one. So, when you look at those four things right there, Israel failed to do every single one of them. And that's why God had to raise up judges. In our day and time, God has raised up a Billy Graham. God has raised up great men of God because we have had the same failure in America that they had back then in Israel. The very same thing. But I want you to look at something here. I want you to look at a great verse here. Look at Deuteronomy 7. Look at verse number 6. Look at verse number 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Man, God said, I have chosen you. God said, I want you to be a blessing to others. God blessed Israel so that they could bless others. You know why God blesses you so much? It's so you can be a blessing to others. God's given you what He's given you. God has blessed you. One guy said He's blessed the socks off me. He has so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. I remember um, one time I was visiting down at Providence Hospital. And right afterwards, right, right after I made the visit, it was time for lunch. So I uh, went to Bojangles there not too far from the hospital. Went into Bojangles and... Uh, so I walked up there. I said, I'll take a chicken biscuit combo and uh, pinto beans. And so, uh, man, I'm over there eating my lunch. And, and a guy walks up to me. And he said, sir, and I could tell he was, he was homeless. He walked up to me and said, sir, he said, do you have $5 that I can buy me some lunch? And I said, I sure do. I said, here's $5. 
you go over there and you buy your lunch, but I said, I want you to spend every single dime on some food, alright? Don't you take any money out of, out of here today. I want you to spend every dime on some food. So he went over there and got in line. And I said, okay, Lord, I've done my duty. You know what that rascal did? He went through the line. He got his food. And then he came over there and he said, sir, can I sit with you for lunch? <laughs> I said, you sure can. I said, have a seat. You know what God told me? God said it wasn't enough just to buy him a meal. He wanted the power of your presence. I want to tell you, if you want to be a blessing to someone, you just show up in their life. More than your money, more than your time, they want your presence there. They just want you to show up. One of the greatest things you can do is to make a phone call, to write a letter, send a card, send an email, send a text, I don't know how to do Facebook or Twitter, but I guess you can send that too. One of the greatest things you can do is just get in your car, drive to their house, and show up. I, I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm coming to see you in January. And uh, I, I, it always makes my sister nervous when I go see Mama. Uh, Cheryl says, uh, we're cleaning house. We're buying food. Mama says, the Pope is coming. <laughs> So, I guess I'm Pope Richard for about five or six days there. Actually, Pope uh, Rick, because my mom doesn't call me Richard, she calls me Rick. But um, anyway, you and I, though, have the blessing of God according to Deuteronomy 7 6. Alright, now, I want you to look at one last verse here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, and uh, then we'll move on, alright? I want you to look. Here at verse number 11. Deuteronomy 7 verse 11. Therefore you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which I am commanding you today to do them. Now, there's a double negative in there. God said, I'm commanding you. But then He said, not only am I commanding you, I want you to do it. It's like saying, I want you to take out the trash. I want you to take out the trash right now. There's a double command in there. And the reason why God has to command us so much is because we are so disobedient. Alright? So, I want you to look back now. We're done with Deuteronomy. Get back to Judges, alright? In the book of Judges, chapter 2, in verse number 11, it says, Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Israel's failure in the book of Judges is threefold. The people would sin. God would raise up an enemy to humble them. And then God would equip a warrior judge to defeat the enemy. And guess what? After the enemy was defeated, the same cycle returned. The people would sin again, God would raise up an enemy, and then God would have to raise up a judge. It was a cycle that went on and on and on. So today, we're going to look at the first judge here in chapter 3. Again, his name is Othniel. 
O'Neill. Uh, somebody said to me, they said, uh, I'd never heard of him before. And I said, well, his name means the Lion of God. The Lion of God. If I've got to follow some guy in the battle, I would like for his name to be Lion. I'm following the Lion of God in the battle. You know back there in the Old Testament when Jehoshaphat got the army together, he was going to get all those mighty warriors out front. You know what God told him? God said, get rid of those mighty warriors. He said, put the choir out in front. And the choir led him into battle. Man, the choir, man, they are dancing, they are singing, they are going right into battle. And the reason why is because God was blessed by their praise. Now, you and I, we look at Othniel, and we might not know much about him, but he's got a good name. He is the Lion of God. Now, if you got your Bible, I want you to look real quick to Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 5. Alright, Revelation 5 and verse number 5. I know we're jumping around here a lot. Revelation 5, verse 5. Somebody just read that. Revelation 5, 5. One of the elders said to me, Do not leave. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Yeah, and there we find that Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. So, man, what a. What a name! Even our Lord has the name Lion. So because Israel refused to walk, because they refused to walk in the ways of the Lord, and because they were living in the land of Canaan, beside these ungodly people, God said, you're going to be raised up to defeat them by a judge. Now, today as we look at O'Neill. We're going to look at three things, alright? Number one, look at Israel's compromise. Israel's compromise. And this is found in verses 5 through 7. These verses show us the details of their failure. They compromised in the Word and the will of God. Now look at verse number 5. Verse 5. The sons of Israel lived among the Canaanites. And there you see the name of Morai, all those different tribes. The word live there means that they dwelt and made themselves at home in the land with the Canaanites. You know, the older you get, the more you grow in faith, the less at home you are in this world. The Bible says that you and I are like pilgrims, like strangers traveling through. The Bible says these had interaction with the Canaanites. They were living among them. The book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 14. It says, "...who gave Himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession, zealous for good deeds." We are to be different. We are to be different from the world. Now, also in verse number 6, it says, And they took their daughters for themselves as wives, 
gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. They had intermarriage with the Canaanites. I want to tell you one of the greatest things you can do is to teach your children and to teach your grandchildren that God has one special person out there for them to be their husband or to be their wife. I, uh, I used to pray so many times. I'd say, now God, I know you got somebody out there for Kendra. And uh, when Kendra would date, you know, I would threaten them with a shotgun and I'd threaten them with a rifle and I, I, I'd work them over before. I, maybe I did too good of a job because she's 35 and still single. But, <laughs> but I want to tell you, to marry right, to pray for your daughters, to pray for your sons, to pray for your grandchildren, to marry right is one of the strongest things you can do for them. Alright, also in verse number 6, it says, and they served other gods. There was idolatry from the Canaanites. One commentary said this about this day and time. What you have here is a group of people who have gone in one generation from worshiping God and fighting evil to abandoning God while they sleep with the enemy. Do you remember back when we had the attacks on the Twin Towers? Do you remember how that there was a call that we go to church and they had a service in the National Cathedral? And do you remember how that America was called to turn to God? How long did that last? We have a short memory, don't we? And what happened here is that these people forgot all about Yahweh, the God who had led them out of bondage, the God who had taken care of them in the wilderness. You want to know why we keep having valleys in our life? It's because when we are on the mountaintops, we forget about the God who was with us in the valleys. We do. And that's why God always has to have those reminders for us. We uh, have staff members at times at our church that go through hard times and go through illness and go through personal stuff in their life. And there are times that we gather in uh, the office out there and We'll just join hands together as a staff and we'll pray for the person going through whatever they're going, going through. I don't think he'd mind me mentioning this, but Ryan Dupree has uh, got some health issues and might be facing some surgery, but uh, Ryan's having some tests do, uh, being done. And so we got together last week and uh, we joined hands out there in the outer office and uh, we were going to pray for Ryan. And a girl showed up from uh, some business group. Uh, she from Carolina Business Group? Yeah. But anyway, she just showed up. She wanted to talk to someone. And, and uh, so anyway, uh, her name's Maddie. And so uh, we're there joining hands. I said, Maddie, come and join us. And so Maddie gets in our prayer group. 
She just visiting, just trying to sell some business equipment or whatever. But she just joined our prayer group. And, uh, but anyway, as we prayed, we went around there and prayed for Ryan. Uh, I thought about God, what a powerful witness for this girl named Maddie that we don't know anything about. She just came by the office and got in our prayer group. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that by a divine appointment, God had her show up. And I believe by a divine appointment, she was in that circle and she heard people pray and, and she felt the power of fellowship that day. I want to tell you, God wants us to change our world one Maddie at a time. He does. He does. Alright, so Israel compromised. Alright? Look here at verse number 7. The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served the Baals and the Asherah. In whose sight did they do evil? You got an audience of one that you need to be worried about. An audience of one. Man, never forget that. It's God that you need to be concerned about. That audience. Alright, I gotta move on, alright? Number two. Look at Israel's chastisement. And that's verse number 8. The Bible says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Well, you find there that God brought discipline to His people. God brought discipline. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, used to say, God never allows His people to sin successfully. I'm going to say that again. God never allows His people to sin successfully. Sin is pleasurable for a short season. Alright? The focus of God's wrath here in verse number 8 was against Israel. The word anger there in verse number 8 is an interesting Hebrew word. It means the flaring of the nostrils. It means the flaring of the nostrils. Have you ever seen anyone mad like that? I have. The flaring of the nostrils. But who is God mad at? He has anger, righteous anger towards Israel, towards His people. You know, when I read that, I scratched my head and I said, God, aren't you angry at the others? God, what about... Verse number 5, what about the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and Jebusites? What about them, God? You know what God told me? God said, they're not my covenant people. But you are. And so God's discipline was against His covenant people because they should have known better. I want to tell you, lost people can sin and they'll damage our world but when God's people sin, it breaks the heart of a holy God. It does. Alright, look at this. Verse number 8. Look at the fullness of God's wrath. Verse number 8 says, it was the last part of verse 8 for eight years. Eight years. Well, God' wrath was kindled against them for eight years these enemies overrun the people of God. In fact, they were sold into slavery for these eight years. 
Someone rightly said, sin will take you farther than you want to go and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. I think that's true, alright? Let's move on. Let me hit the third point, alright? Third and last. Look at Israel's champion. Israel's champion. And that's verses 9 through 11. And you find that God raised up this judge named Othniel. Now, in verse number 9, it says, When the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. In other words, when they cried out to God, God did something. When they cried out to the Lord, God raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel, and his name was Othniel. Now, again, Othniel means the lion of God. We don't know a lot about him. But we do know that he was a champion for the people of God. Now, notice here in verse number 11. In verse number 11 it says, Then the land had rest forty years, and Othniel the son of Kenaz died. Now, what gave Othniel the power to defeat the enemy is found in verse number 10. Verse number 10, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. He had the power of the Spirit of God upon his life. Let me tell you a bad thing here, alright? If we could just stop at verse 11. If you could just take your hand and cover up verse number 12. It'd be a great victory. But when you take your hand up and look at verse number 12, what in the world did they do? Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. All over again. Somebody one time said about our one of our presidents that he went to church on Sunday because he lived like the devil on Saturday. And I think that cycle repeats itself in our lives so many times. You know, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 says this, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. The old King James Bible says, sin is a reproach to any people. Let me tell you two things that Israel didn't have in the book of Judges. And I'll close with this. The two things they didn't have was power, power to control their lives, power to control their wants and desires, power over their sinful nature. They didn't have that. And the second thing they didn't have was influence. Influence over those around them. That is America today. We are missing power to control our lives and we're missing influence over those around us. And so as we study the book of Judges, we're going to find God was faithful even though His people were not. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You today for the beginning of this wonderful story 
of God, your faithfulness. And God, you were faithful to raise up judges like Oak Neal. And Lord, I pray that in our day and time that you would raise up leaders. Uh, God, give us men to have the heart of a lion. God, give us men like that today. God, I pray for the pulpits in America. God, give us men that unapologetically, God will preach Your Word and declare truth. Lord, I pray that as we live in a day where everyone does what is right in their own eyes, God, may our vision not be on those men, but God, may our vision be on You. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.